Hey everybody, it is the coolest portfolio manager according to the quiz that we just took. Chris Austin here for another episode of Give a Sip. This is February 17th, Happy Ash Wednesday to those that are celebrating. And uh, yeah, now I wanted to interview this week. Uh, we did have Lucia booked, but she fell a little ill. So we'll talk to her next week. But for this one, we'll just keep it short and sweet then. Uh, let me just dive right in. Uh, lots of new wines getting tasted. We actually have two of the four suppliers that we were heavily courted signing contracts, ready to make changes. So we're looking at an April 1st and a May 1st transition for those. Keep your ears peeled for more information. Those will be coming out shortly, but it's quite a few dollars. Should be pretty exciting. Uh, and I'm, I'm very happy that all that hard work is about to pay off. As far as pitches out there, Andy and I have been working hard on the uncruise pitches. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff going on with the chains. New Season has some offers in to clear out some of the inventory for us. Uh, Met Market has one as well. PCC has a bunch of new opportunities that I dropped off this week. We're really heavily focusing in on Gateway and Pescador for those accounts to try to replace that Casal business as best we can. So fingers crossed for some good news there soon. Continue to be big game hunting out there as well. I've been doing a lot of uh, pitching to full pole, Crunchy Red Fruit, Liner and Nelson, those kind of people. Any opportunities that you have out there for big game, keep coming my way for those. There's lots of opportunities. I'd like to sell big drops with you. That's, that's what it's about. Uh, other than that, as far as pitches, working on our 2020 Rosé pre-sale. Focusing in again, as I mentioned, on the Pescador and Gateway, working on new pricing for that. We have talks uh, for both of those suppliers right now to try to get matching or even a little bit below Casal Garcia with our pricing on both of those. Gateway obviously being Vino Verde and the Pescador is sort of a Cava version of Vino Verde. It's the Cava Grapes, which I'll uh, mention again as I review the quiz here in a minute, uh, but done in more of that Vino Verde style, so a little drier, a little spritzier than Cava itself. So those are really the two good options there, and I'm working as best we can to uh, get the pricing as competitive as possible so that we can really have a strong Vino Verde season with those two options. Outside of that, the Brunello pre-sale is going strong. We've actually pre-sold about 80% of the Fulini that was allocated to us, so that's about to sell out, so get your orders in while you can. I've put a couple of offers out to some big game and they've responded very heavily. So with two 99-point scores on the Fellini and the Costanti, it's, it's kind of a no-brainer. Uh, again, the wine won't arrive until late May, so we've got some time for them to plan their budgets accordingly, but this is the time to get the commitment. So please keep on that. We've got about two weeks left for that pre-sale. See, outside of the prices, reminder again, we had Ashley on. That was wonderful. Her prices are down on the Vital Chardonnay, Rosé, and the Red Blend. So those are now $14 post off in Washington, I believe $13.30 in Oregon, which is a significant decrease and should really make them compelling for, for shelf placements. Uh, as I mentioned, the Gateway and the Pescador are in talks. We're pretty close to finalizing that. So uh, look out for information about better pricing on Gateway, Vino Verde, and Pescador soon. I would not pitch to the better pricing. I'd, I'd use it as an opportunity as we get closer to the summer, pitch for the current pricing that you have. They are fantastic options at the price they are now. The quality is very high for both, but uh, you know, everybody loves a good deal. So if we can get a better deal for them, we'll, we'll use it. Uh, and then lastly, Kevin sent some information out, particularly for the Washington team. The uh, There's a couple of wines that just had some line pricing that needed to get adjusted that are coming up March 1st. So review that email. It's more than I want to really go through here. It's a little tedious to kind of go line by line on that for this, but there are some changes coming to some line priced items so that we can get everything synced back up, especially those chain heavy wines. So please take a look at that when you have a second. 
as far as things that are back in stock, we do have some Rioana back in stock, but we only got a little bit from California. That's all we could really squeeze out of them for the time being. So I put it on allocation and basically just put your orders in and we'll see what we can do about fulfilling it. We're trying to make sure that nobody steals all of it and be, you know, trying to be equitable about it. Don't want anyone being greedy with the Rioana. Um, so put your orders in, put your requests in. We might ask you to drop the cases down slightly, but we'll make sure that everybody gets at least a little bite of the apple for that before the, the big drop comes out of Argentina. Other than that, uh, we've got the new vintage of Seven Springs Pinot Noir from Evening Land that landed up here in Washington. Uh, we also have the 2020 Brook and Bull Rosé that arrived for both states. The 2020 Vital Rosé should be in in the next week or so, along with the Smack 2020 Spring Rosé for both states. Fiona's going to actually talk to us next week a little bit uh, during the meeting, so she'll tell you all about our project. I think we can actually do some pretty solid damage with her wines. We got them a little late last year, so we didn't quite get a chance to grasp what she was doing, but I think with this vintage, we're really going to have some, some big success out there, so I'm excited for those rosés. Uh, out of stock, still with the Paloma Rosé. We still don't have an ETA there. And a heads up for Team Oregon here. The 2017 Two Mountain Chardonnay that you had in stock. I'm sure you're all so excited to sell 2017 Chardonnay, right? Well, we actually got Matt to switch it out for us. So you should have fresh vintage Chardonnay coming down next week for you. Uh, and that two seven, 2017 is going bye-bye. Uh, so that is a nice little swap. If there's any other dead vintage things, you know, we're, we're really trying to clean that up. Jeremy, Nels, and I are, are looking through those opportunities, either making deeper discounts like we did with the Fiction Rosé this week, or just trying to get them to switch it out for us as best we can. Not everybody's uh, amenable to that option. Sometimes it's just kind of on us, but we're making the asks. So don't, don't be afraid to point things out that you want to get current that we might be lingering a little bit down there. And then just a heads up for the for the mead heads out there, uh, the Hidden Legend King's Mead. We finally got a hold of the Hidden Legend guys. They had had issues getting corks and labels apparently. So that has been the holdup. Uh, long story short, they they fixed it, <laughs> and so now they're they're bottling and labeling and corking, and we should have King's Mead back in stock and regularly stocked coming up in about two weeks. Uh, so that has been the delay there. Just so you know, we finally got an answer from them on that. Apologies for the out of stock, but uh, but clearly it was something that couldn't be helped. Um, other than that, new arrivals, the Volcanus came in. Hallelujah. I'm excited about that. Uh, as I'm sure none of, all of you are very aware at this point. Uh, but uh, Ben presented to you guys. I think you all saw why I was so excited. The pricing is really compelling. Those that have already taken it out have had excellent results. I put it in front of a bunch of the chains already and they've really been showing strong interest. So I'm hoping for some authorizations very quickly here. And uh, yeah, let's get rocking and rolling on the Bodegas Volcanas. Uh, for the Oregon team, the Stoltman Love You Bunch is orange and the Uni should have snuck in there as well as the Field Recordings Tang, which I saw a pretty funny email chain about uh, between a bunch of people. So that was exciting. If you haven't had a chance to take a bottle of those out, please do so. Those are some really fun toys to play with. And then uh, the Atons Bobal snuck in from Valkyrie. So those that have been looking for a Bobal, we've had a few over the years. They seem to kind of go in these waves of success. So if you have somebody who wants Bobal, we've got one again. And uh, a heads up on that Vinalba blend. It is, for all intents and purposes, sold out at this point. As I mentioned, it was going to go quick. We had it for about two and a half weeks, but we got a big, big hit. And uh, it, we're down to the last couple of cases here. So 
you know, if you had somebody who was really wanting some, you can still squeeze a little bit out for them, but we pretty much sold through it. So great work guys. I'm getting that out. All right. So as far as the goings go, unfortunately we have to add some more this time. Uh, one of these days I won't have to do this part of the, of the podcast, but today it is Karome from Empton. Empton no longer works with Karome, so we no longer work with Karome. What we have in stock is going to be it. So they won't be part of the BBB sale this year. There is no more inventory from what I understood available to us. It is just what is on hand. So if you have somebody who has been using those wines, please let them know. If you have somebody that wants to make a deal to buy us out for the rest of our inventory, please let us know and we can try to make a, make something happen together. Um, the other one for Team Washington, that's a bummer, is Johan. Johan has decided to part ways. Um, they don't have a decision on where they're going just yet, uh, but we were looking at a Whole Foods program, so they let us know a little early so that we didn't have to drag our feet on telling them about us not representing it. Uh, they're going a different route to market altogether, and it just uh, seems to them that it'll make sense to go to a smaller house where they can handle allocations a little bit differently than us. So that is their plan. Uh, we'll wish them well. Love those wines. Going to miss uh, miss having them around. But, uh, but we will find some more fun Oregon projects soon. Um, while we're talking about comings and goings, I don't think I ever welcome the new people. So Dave, Sasha... Josh and Elijah, welcome aboard, guys. For those that I've talked to in some length, you know, hopefully it's been uh, good conversations. I've enjoyed talking to you. For those that I haven't yet, I'm sure we will connect soon. And uh, yeah, reach out anytime. I'm, I'm available. And then let's see, going down the list of things. So I have talked to quite a few of our suppliers at this point who are itching to get in the market, and I'm not going to subject you guys to to physical ride-alongs because that's just silly and dangerous right now. So, excuse me. So what we're going to do is virtual ride-alongs. I've mentioned this a couple times now, but you'll start to see calendar invites for chunks of time for specific suppliers. And then you will be requesting time to fill in with your accounts during that. You will have samples provided by the supplier for you. And then you will have to sign them into a Teams meeting on your phone or iPad or laptop or whatever you got. And they will join you for a presentation at a key account. Uh, I think this is going to be a nice opportunity for us to make some extra sales, make them feel connected to us still. And, you know, hopefully just uh, do something new and different. Change a pace out there. So a couple of, couple of people have already signed on. I'll be sending out those invites soon. So look out for that. Uh, we're also still working through some deep closeouts. We sold a crap ton of Wasserman last week. Great job, guys. Uh, that was really, really productive. We're doing the same with Vineyard Brands for Washington, Yurtman for both states, and uh, and all of the old rosés, as I mentioned last week, so, or two weeks ago, I suppose, at this point. But the QT is a big one for that, the Couture. We have that 2019 en route. Uh, or, <laughs> of course we have the 2019 en route. It's here. Duh. We have the 2020 en route. Uh, it should be here in about a month and a half. And then we'll start to see some more 2020s rolling in, including the Jacques Bourguignon and the Terrebonne, which we have a handful of samples of. So if you have a really key account that you really want to present those to, reach out for a request and we'll talk about it. That's the Jacques Bourguignon and then the new Terrebonne Provence Rosé, which I think is going to be a big one. It should take a lot of that X business. Fantastic bottle. The juice is great. And it's uh, priced below X by a couple of bucks. So should be a, should be winner, winner, chicken dinner on that one. 
Uh, I mentioned the the swag last week. Nothing new outside of what we got before, but we do still have a bunch of those wood boxes from Villa Sabrina and things like that. So those are still available. Um, new scores. There is a whole bunch of new scores from the Wine Enthusiast Buying Guide. Uh, same thing as what I was mentioning earlier with uh, too, many, too many details to talk about here, but there's going to be about 30 new announcements on scores. They'll go into the catalog, all that good stuff. Some of those are for the vintages that are coming. Some of them are here. Some of them are going to be pre-sales. So you will have all of those uh, details coming your way as soon as I get it fully compiled. I have most of the spreadsheet done adding in those scores, and then I'll send it off to Charlie and Chelsea. But for now, uh, just know that there's a lot of great new scores coming out uh, right now. So exciting. Uh see chain updates lots of things were submitted not anything really new to report though so we will just move past that for the time being and we'll jump into the fun fact side of things so what we'll do today is just kind of review the quiz most people did pretty well on this actually there was a couple of questions that seemed to hang hang up a couple of people but uh, on the whole everyone good job um the top score was a tie between avery jacks David Rounds and Chandra. So I will be doing a drawing for both states and the prizes are a beautiful decanter from Movia and a Yeti cooler from Hoxie. So one of those will be going to Oregon. One of those will be staying here in Washington for two of those reps. So congratulations to you guys. I'll be doing the drawing for the four of you shortly. Look out for that. Uh, and then uh, just to review the questions real quick, I'll bang through them. Number one was the question about natural wine and, and what's kind of un considered the universal disqualifier. A lot of people thought sulfur, which was very interesting. Uh, but the correct answer that I thought was yeast. Uh, I tend to find that people do not want any sort of commercial yeast in a, in a native wine. Some people have different levels of sulfur that they agree with. Um, I know that question is a little bit open to interpretation, but that was my interpretation of it. Uh, the second question was, what is the name of the winery and restaurant for Bobby and Lachlan? That is Frasca and Scarpetta. Most people got that right. Just so you guys know, if you were told that you got it wrong, I did not realize that the auto answers were so sensitive to spelling and capitalization. So uh, just know that I adjusted your score accordingly and made sure that if you got it right, you got the points for it. But uh, I won't be doing that again. I'll just score them myself next time because that was uh, it was a little silly how sensitive it was. It's more sensitive than me, and that's saying a lot. So um, that is the winery and restaurant question. The next one was what charity does Vital donate to? Uh, SOS Clinic is the standard charity, but a lot of you actually, it sounds like you listened to the podcast and, and mentioned the fact that they've been doing a lot of COVID relief work. So thank you for listening and, and answering accordingly. Uh, next was the fork and knife symbol, which is one of the few questions everybody got right. Uh, it's a product that supports donations to Big Table and Family Meal, and it's our DI products. And then Demeter certification was next. Most people got this right. It is biodynamic. Some people said organic, but it is biodynamic that Demeter certifies. Um, so just so so we're all up to speed on that. And then one that was a bit tricky for people was which of the following is the sweetest. Uh, meaning most grams per liter of sugar in champagne. Now, it's a little bit counterintuitive, I know, but the correct answer is extra dry. A lot of people put extra brute, but extra dry is the, is the answer. Um, let's see, going down the list, 
the glassware company we work with, most people got that right. That's Zalto. I know a lot of people got that wrong because they put, you know, an exclamation point or like a million O's and GX, but um, it, it is Zalto. It was just one that was sensitive to the spelling as well. Uh, which of the following producers do we sell kosher wine from? Nexus. Purim is coming up, so this is a good time to be uh, offering kosher wine, and that is our option. We do have Moraska cherry wine as well, but I didn't include that on here. So Nexus is the one, Nexus kosher wine. We've got about 30 cases in stock. Uh, the next question I was a bit surprised on, uh, it was about a, about a 60% right answer on it, which is, which of the following would be considered biologically aged sherry? The correct answer is Manzanilla. Manzanilla and Fino are the biologically aged sherries. Oloroso is an oxidatively aged sherry. Um, things like Palo Cortado are, and Amontillado are sort of a mix of both. Um, and so it was interesting how many people thought Oloroso there. And I'm wondering if it was maybe you were just reading through it too quick or not. But um, we might be doing a sherry review here sh soon just so everybody's up to speed on the sherry terminology. Because I think it's important to know what you're actually offering out there. And if somebody's looking for biological or oxidative, knowing which is which. Um, then the next two questions were, were pretty nerdy and mixed mixed review of, of answers in these. That's okay. Um, the additions of Candy Mountain and Memorial Slope put us at 16 ABAs for Washington State. I'm not going to list them all here because I don't want to list 16 ABAs right now, but I will put it in the in the little attachments I, I add to this thing so you can see them all. And for Willamette Valley, adding Twelton Hills and Laurel District put us at 10. So that is 16 for Washington, 10 for Willamette Valley ABAs. So there you go. Um, then three main grapes used to produce cava, Torello, Macabeo, Pareada are the three. This is another one, I mean, spelling's tough on that one, especially because Torello has that weird little dot in the middle between the two L's. Um, but most people got that right, or at least two of the three right. So I gave, you know, most credit to people who got at least that. Uh, I saw Chardonnay pop up a couple times. Uh, I, you know, that has been used in some of the lesser cavas for sure, but but the three classic grapes, the trad traditional grapes are Torello, Macabeo, Parayata again. And fun fact on top of that, Macabeo is also known as Viora in Rioja. There you go. Um, so Vino Verde is a grape, a style, or a region. A lot of people put style. It's actually a region. It's a subregion of the Minho Valley, which props the Jacks for actually being the only person to put Minho in there. Um, I can see why people would think style. Some people put style and region, so I gave credit for that. Um, you know, we work with, we have worked with wines that are still wines from Vino Verde, as well as the spritzy style that you're thinking of when you say style. Uh, so things like Pico Amarello, that's going to be coming from Eshbrau here very shortly. That's a still Vino Verde. Uh, things like Gateway, that's a spritzy Vino Verde. Those are two very different styles, but they're from the same region, which is Vino Verde. So there you go. Um, the next question was the ABV level to be exempt from the current tariff. I counted for everybody 14% and 14.1% because I realized that perhaps uh, the, the wording was a little confusing and you didn't know if 14.1 would be technically the, the first ABV level where you were exempt. 14% would still be getting tariffed. So it's above 14%. Um, so I counted 14 and 14.1 just to make sure that I was being as impartial as I can towards the answers. Uh, for the next one, this is one that quite a few people missed as well that I was really surprised by. Um, I'm, I'm wondering if it, it was maybe just reading it too quickly as well. But either way, Lucia is going to come on next week and talk about this one a little bit more. And this question was, which region of Rioja does Cune have their Vina Real winery? 
The correct answer is Rioja Alavesa. A lot of people put Alta, which is where the original Cune winery is. So Cune does have a winery in Alta, but Vino Real is in Alavesa. And it's much more modern. We'll talk about it more next week with Lucia when she's on. But it's really important to know that, that type of question um, and what separates the two wineries. That, that's a big part of the separating factor aside from style. So um, that's one we're going to really focus in on for sure. Uh, the next one, everybody got right. First two letters uh, for each item code indicate the origin of the country. So there you go. Um, tap system, it's all key kegs. Some people pick Perlick, a few people pick Kegerator. I think that might have been a joke, but, um, and there you go. Name your three favorite suppliers was the next one. That was sort of a freebie. Most people, I think everybody except for one person, in fact, actually picked suppliers that we currently represent, um, which I thought was funny. I'm, I'm assuming everyone thought I meant uh, suppliers we currently represent. But I, I literally meant your three favorite suppliers. So we'll do it again next time too, because I'm just curious about what uh, what suppliers you really uh, you really like out there. It's good to know what your favorites are in the book too. So I appreciate the answers from that. And uh, there's quite a few repeats, which was nice to see. So there's a lot of things that are kind of steady favorites, and a lot of people actually put RDI projects in their favorites, which was which was uh, great to see. So thank you for that. Almost everybody got the, the Ron brothers right, Matt and Pat. Matt's the wine guy, Pat's the, the grape guy. Um, good dudes, we love working with them. Uh, that's, that's good to know that you all know those guys. Um, next question was Coelho in Portuguese. It means rabbit or bunny. Most people put one or the other, some people put both. Um, it, and uh, David Rounds, props to you for even going as far as the Latin, uh, the Latin origin, the, the roots of, of the word. Um, so that was, <laughs> I actually didn't know that part. So uh, props to you, extra credit for that. Um, and uh, yeah, so rabbit, which makes sense because when you look at the, the, the entry line, there is a rabbit on the label. <clears throat> this next one was uh, about a 70% answer correctly and I debated which way to go with this or which of the two questions to ask but I asked what is a frico and so a frico is a cheese uh, friuli and appetizer if you guys look in your friuli cookbooks that you all got from Chris Zimmerman recently um, you'll actually see that there's a recipe for frico in there and that's a very common appetizer to start a meal with there it's sort of like the um, the grilled cheese that when you make a grilled cheese you know those little bits of cheese that kind of form a tweel on the bottom of your pan and you just pick up that little crunchy cheese bit that's essentially a frico and they'll usually put either like polenta or more cheese sauce inside of it it's really delicious um the other one i was going to ask was what is a scarpetta now scarpa means slipper in italian and a scarpetta is that little slipper of bread you use to sop up the last bits of sauce in a plate it's really kind of the ultimate compliment to an italian chef that you've got every last little bit of food or sauce off the plate and so that is what a scarpetta is. So that is why it's called scarpetta. They are, you know, two restaurateurs after all. Uh, and that is what a frico is. So there you go. Uh, next question was, what is the area in Paso call, uh, called where Field Recordings makes their wine and ciders? Uh, some people put Central Coast. Uh, and I could see why you would put Central Coast because I said, what is the area called? What I meant was, what is the facility called? So uh, most people got it right. It was Tin City. It's the name of the cidery as well. I sent the documentary out about Tin City about a year ago where Andrew's heavily featured in there. So it's a really cool area where a bunch of, you know, garagees, winemakers, distilleries, breweries have this sort of hive, uh, hive mind of just cool innovators in Paso Robles. And it's a really fascinating area 
Uh, and Andrew has been there from the start and has really been one of the big champions of Tin City. And uh, I, I, I find that area to be really awesome. It's worth a visit if you're ever down that way. And uh, yeah, so Tin City is the facility, the area where his facility is located within Paso. Uh, do we sell any non-alcoholic wines? Uh, I had put no. I was informed by Amy Roberts. We actually still have a little bit of the non-alcoholic glue vine left. So it looks like I was the one who was incorrect. We don't actually work with St. Christopher anymore. So, you know, I kind of go <laughs> because if some people said yes, you know, I guess you're not wrong because there's still a little bit left. If some people said no, you're not wrong because we don't work with them anymore. So there you go. Um, DOC versus DOCG. Uh, most people got this right. There's a lot of really awesome answers I got actually for, for super detailed, which was really great to hear people kind of express their their knowledge and, and passion over Italian wines. But uh, uh, for just to keep this brief, it's a qualitative distinction. Uh, and then where does the Morisco Vineyards name the Ned come from? So family heritage is one of the questions or one of the answers, excuse me. And some people put that and that is the correct answer if we were talking about Morisco Vineyard itself. Brent Maris, the winemaker, comes from a, a British aristocracy from the Di Morisco family. That is where the Morisco Vineyards comes from, which is his family heritage. The Ned, however, is the highest peak in Marlborough. It's about 950 meters, and so he's named the uh, the wine after the highest peak, which you can see from his vineyards in Marlborough. There you go. That's why it's called the Ned. And then the last question, you know, only four of you hurt my feelings by picking Pat, but one of those was Pat himself, so I think he knows that he got it wrong when he answered it because he knows I'm cooler than him, but uh, I am the cooler portfolio manager, so I think that is obvious, guys, come on. Um, so yeah, so that's the quiz. Thanks guys for taking it. Uh, we had just about everybody get in on it. And like I said, I'll get those prizes out to you shortly. Wrapping this episode up, talking about some sales campaigns coming up. We had the Broken Hearts uh, Rosé sale go out this week. Next week it's Kosher Wine for Forum, which is going to be uh, in the last week of February. So we'll have uh, for Washington, the Milk and Honey uh, Kosher Spirits, as well as the Nexus Kosher Wine for both states being advertised. March 1st, we're doing a Washington Wine Month feature. So we're picking some highlighted wines from our, our coveted Washington wineries. March 2nd, uh, which is the actual normal campaign date is St. Paddy's Day focused, so it'll be Irish spirits primarily. And then March 8th is International Women's Day. So that Monday we'll do a campaign around some of our, our uh, female winemakers focusing in on, on the work that they're doing. Uh, let's see, last little bit. Top sales rep last week was actually Chandra. She made some pretty massive Becky Wasserman drops. So great work out there. You uh, you had a couple grand more than anyone else, so you crushed it. Nice, nice week, good job. Um, just a reminder on incentives, everything's rocking and rolling there. We'll have a few new things coming up. For Washington, there will be an Aragonesis case stack incentive, as well as a Broletto Lambrusco placement incentive. And then uh, for both states, we are starting to uh, build out a Roberto Rueda plan again, like we did two years ago. Uh, looks like that's gonna go live for April 1st. I'll keep you posted as we get closer to that, but just know that uh, Roberto Rueda is likely a go this year. We postponed it last year, we talked about it, but it just didn't seem to make sense with all the craziness going on. Um, okay, uh, let's see. I didn't find any corrections, or at least nobody told me I said anything stupid last last episode, so I think I'm good there. 
and then who is joining me next week is going to be Lucia. And we're going to talk about the differences between Rioja Alta and Alavesa and just a little bit about the history of Cune. So that'll be really fantastic. Uh, also, don't forget, Purim is February 25th. Again, that's the kosher ho- or Excuse me. I'm so sorry. The, the Jewish holiday. So the kosher wine, uh, the Nexus kosher wine is great to sell there. Washington Wine Month is March. So make sure you're making those pitches now. And uh, Easter is the first week of April. Uh, Ash Wednesday is today, as I mentioned earlier. So be pitching for those Easter pitches now. The Conejos uh, has some rabbits on it. Um, for Oregon, the Thomas Cousine Lebre has a, a rabbits on it. And then obviously Coelho, as mentioned earlier, means rabbit. So those are some low-hanging fruit options for you. And yeah, um, just wrapping a bow around this episode. We've been talking a lot about you know, where the company's going, how we how we get the direction pointing in a way we want and things like that. And, and what we've continued to come back to is the fact that we are really, really good brand builders. We're really good at taking something that has done maybe okay or maybe even is new in the marketplace and just blowing it up. You know, if, if you guys get behind it, if you believe in it, if we believe in it, uh, it can go to unbelievable heights and we can just, just take things farther than anyone could imagine. Uh, and I think we do that mostly through the stories that we tell and being connected with the wines. Uh, and so part of part of what I kind of realized from this quiz was that I don't think we're, we're talking about the stories enough. Um, and I just want to make sure we're all staying connected to, to what we're selling. I think we're all, or at least the, the most of us, are in this business because uh, because we love the stories. We love the passion of winemaking. You know, sales are are exciting, uh, commissions are exciting, but uh, you know, we all I think we all love to make money. But I think what really drives us, uh, and certainly what drives me, is the connection to the to the people, the connection to the to the land, and the connection to the story. More importantly. Um, so I want to do a better job of making sure that I'm telling the story for the wineries, for you guys, and, and for our customers. So hopefully you all uh, think that's something that would be of interest to hear. Uh, that's definitely something that you're going to start hearing more on here. So so uh, I hope I hope you like it. <laughs> and have a great day out there, everybody. Have a, have a good sales week. And thanks for giving a sip.